You're listening to the Employment Rights Online podcast, where we discuss everything employment rights and the job. Hi everyone, I hope you are having a positive Employment Rights Week. This week, as we start to think about how we can salvage some holiday period from what's left of 2020, we continue on from where we left off last week when we explored the 10 types of paid and unpaid time off that you could be entitled to at work. This week, we begin a series of podcasts by looking at and you will leave. Now, I remember when everything was so simple. You saw a job advert and as part of that advert, you were told how many days holiday came with the job. And you then clarified this interview on your first day in the job. In the days of old, the majority of people were on permanent contracts with agency workers being reserved for industries more typified by seasonal work. Today, things are much more complicated, largely because there has been a bit of a rage against permanent contracts because employers know that permanent contracts have the highest level of employment rights and in real terms, Employment rights cost the employer money. So in today's worker economy, we now have a mixed bag of employment statuses, which come with their own mixed bag of employment rights and annual leave. So the best way to look at this area is to look at the employment rights that accompany each type of employment status. Now, as a starting point, What the law and regulations on annual leave says, the law and regulations themselves being underpinned by the Employment Rights Act 1996, what the regulations say is that every single person who works for someone else is entitled to 28 days holiday per year, inclusive of bank holidays, which is the equivalent of 5.6 weeks of holiday or thereabouts. And if you work part time, you're entitled to the equivalent number of holiday hours matched to the number of hours you work. And what that means, for example, is that if you work 50 percent of a full working week as your part time hours, then you're entitled to 50 percent of 28 days as your annual leave. So let's start with people who have permanent contracts of employment Your holidays are the easiest to work out because we are talking about fixed working hours and fixed rates of pay. If you're on a permanent contract, you'll be classed as an employee and will be entitled to at least 28 days statutory paid holiday per year. Some employers offer enhanced contractual terms and conditions around holidays. And what this means is that some employers can give you additional days holidays as part of a like a kind of a reward package. So, for example, most local authorities will offer their permanent employees extra days holiday in return for things like loyalty of service and length of service. 
So some employees report receiving, for example, an extra three to five days holiday after five years service with an additional day awarded for an additional one to two years service after five years. And that can go on up to a maximum of 38 days holiday per year, which is the highest we've found. And that doesn't include bank holidays. So 38 days a year amounts to just over seven weeks of paid holiday per year, which is a pretty good holiday package if you can get the time to take the time off. To find out your own holiday entitlement, you're going to need to look at the terms and conditions in your contract of employment. And if it's not clearly written down, then you'll need to ask your HR department for that information. But remember to ask for it in writing. Next, let's look at people who are workers, of which there are several variations, since a worker is anyone who works for someone else, but is not an employee on a permanent contract. First, let's look at an IR35 worker. An IR35 worker is a worker who is self-employed in principle, but is contracted to work for a local authority or the civil service and must therefore be treated as what is called an off-payroll worker. IR35 workers must be engaged through what is called an umbrella company. And the role of that company is to act as if the company is the employer, purely for tax and national insurance purposes. And when the local authority pays the worker, it's the umbrella company that receives that money first, then deducts tax and national insurance on behalf of HMRC and then pays the worker the balance of the payment. If you want to know a little bit more about the employment rights of this type of worker, you can listen to podcast episode number six. But in terms of holiday arrangements, it's a bit of a mess because there isn't a clear route through this issue. What the law says is that you are entitled to at least 28 days holiday per year or the equivalent inclusive of bank holidays. So you've got the time off. But from here, it's about how your contractor negotiates whether your holidays are paid or unpaid. Umbrella companies who contract IR35 workers usually take two routes to arranging holiday payments. The first route is that the umbrella company will deduct a weekly amount from your contract fee and save this money. And the money is then used to cover payments when you take holidays. That figure can be as much as 10% per week to ensure that enough money is held back to cover your 28 days of holiday pay. Now, bear in mind that this money is being held by the umbrella company and it's in their account gathering interest for them. And if you multiply that by the thousands of IR35 workers that they are working with, you can see why this is a winner for umbrella companies. You only see that money when it comes to paying you for your 28 days of your holiday each year. And if you want to work out how much money that umbrella company needs to hold back, 
you merely need to look at a week's pay and multiply that figure by 5.6 and then divide the figure by 12 or by 52 depending on how often you are paid. The other way umbrella companies can work is by not making any deductions at all for holiday pay and merely giving you your requested annual leave or time off without pay. Some contractors prefer it this way because they prefer to make their own arrangements with their own money. So those kinds of contractors will receive all of their wages directly from the umbrella company minus any fees for the work the umbrella company does in terms of deducting tax on national insurance and then you get the balance without the holiday deduction. You should have a right to decide between the two but that's a matter for you and what you prefer. When it comes to annual leave and holiday pay for casual or irregular workers the arrangements are pretty clear. Zero hours workers, agency workers, casual workers and people on apprenticeships all come under the definition of casual or irregular workers and all these types of workers are entitled to paid holidays. The arrangements for which should be made by the person who is contracting you to work for them. Some employers have been known to try and withhold holiday pay for such workers by claiming that they are not entitled to holiday pay and instead trying to say that such workers are self-employed. And we particularly find this in the gig economy, which is why there are a whole series of cases in the Employment Tribunal which are focused on determining whether people working in the gig economy are workers or self-employed. But whatever the case, the rules for self-employed workers are very clear. And you as the worker, well, you would know whether you're self-employed. And you would also know whether you're running your own business in a different way to IR35 workers. And because of that, you would know that you alone are responsible for all of the arrangements around how you work and around paying your own holiday pay. So when it comes to levels of annual leave for irregular workers, we're talking about how many days holiday you should be entitled to. Because as an irregular worker, the number of days workers work every week over long and short term periods can sometimes change. That said, as a rule, if you regularly work five or more days per week, then you're going to be entitled to 28 days holiday per year. If you regularly work four days per week, your entitlement will be 22.4 days per year. If you work three days per week, it's 16.8 days holiday per year. For two days work per week, it's 11.2 days holiday per year. And finally, if you work one day per week, you're going to be entitled to 5.6 days holiday for each annual leave year. Now, it's recognised that irregular workers might work fixed days per week, as has just been explained. But during those days, workers might not work fixed hours. And in the past, 
this was one area that caused a lot of difficulties in calculating holiday pay. So the regulations governing holiday pay calculations were changed. And now from the 6th of April 2020, the reference period for calculating holiday pay, which basically means the number of weeks an employer must look back to calculate that holiday pay, well, that was increased from 12 weeks to 52. So what that means is that if, for example, you have not been in employment long enough to build up 52 weeks worth of pay data, that's 52 weeks of getting a pay slip or earning a weekly wage, then the employer is expected to use however many weeks you have completed to calculate the average weekly rate and then use that weekly rate to give you holiday pay. So, for example, if you've been with your employer for 26 complete weeks, that is the data the employer should use to calculate an average week's holiday pay. Not two weeks, not 10 weeks, not 12 weeks, but the complete number of weeks that you have worked. Now, podcast episode 27 goes into this in a little bit more detail. So if you want to pick up on this, then it might be useful to re-listen to that episode. The final thing to remind you about is the new rights you acquired for coronavirus annual leave. So everything that has just been mentioned applies. But in addition to this, in April 2020, the government introduced temporary new law allowing employees and workers to carry over up to four weeks paid holiday into their next two holiday leave years. And a leave year will start when your employer has determined it starts. So for most employers, it's the 1st of April to the 31st of March or whatever dates your employer tells you. The temporary law now recognises that if employees and workers are affected by coronavirus conditions, which prevented them from taking holiday leave, the new regulations now allow you to carry over any unused leave up to four weeks and you can carry that over for up to two years so you don't lose that leave. And that's it. If you feel you've been denied the right to holidays or paid holidays or you don't think you've received the right amount of holiday pay, the first thing you might need to do is to submit a complaint or a grievance to ask the employer to look at that issue. To help you with this, included in the podcast notes for this episode are some grievance templates that you can use to write that letter. Just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes and press the see more button and you'll see the live links that will take you to some helpful grievance support templates and other information. We hope you find something useful that you can work with in this week's episode. But remember to let others know we are here by sharing our content and leaving us a review about the podcast on iTunes or anywhere else where you're listening and where you can leave a review. We really would love to know what you think. For now, 
We'll be here next week to continue with our podcast series on paid and unpaid time off. Thank you for listening. Bye for this week.